So today we're going to study from uh, 1 Corinthians 3. So uh, Paul starts by saying, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto we were not able to bear it, neither yet now are we able. For we are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are we not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are we not carnal? Now, when we started this letter, I did mention that Paul is starting by talking to the Corinthian church about the divisions that is happening among them. And that's what he's addressing in the beginning. So when we started with chapter 1, Paul started that discussion or that issue by telling the church that the message that you preach or the message that the preachers preach is a foolish message. It is not a message of wisdom. It is not a message that shows big things. It is a foolish message. And then again, he says the messenger who preaches this message is not the mighty, nor the powerful, nor of high wisdom. Who is this messenger? This messenger was no one, was nothing. He was the base thing of the world. Now, why did God choose such people? So that when God would do things through a vessel, all glory will go to God and God alone. So that's what we saw in chapter 1. Now when we came to chapter 2, again, Paul was not only preaching, he started telling them that he had certain experiences. And one of that experience that he spoke was that he came to the Corinthian church with a lot of trembling. He was not an orator. He was not a man of high wisdom. He was afraid, he was scared, but yet he preached the gospel. And again, in chapter 2, he opens up the conversation by saying that the ministry that he did to the Corinthian church was not a soulish ministry, but a spiritual ministry. So now he brings out another difference where he says, there can be a soulish ministry and then there can be a spiritual ministry. That's where we saw when we come to 1 Corinthians 2, the last part, he talks about there is the natural man who does not understand the things of God because it is foolishness for them. And then he talks about a spiritual man, a spiritual man who has the mind of Christ. So now when we look at chapter 1, he mentions about the foolishness. And when he comes to chapter 2, he says that the soulish ministry could lead to people who are not spiritual. Now, when we come to chapter 3, we see here Paul starts again by telling them, he's not closing the subject. He's telling them, I wanted to speak unto you as unto spiritual. So we can think in this one way, that when certain teachers or certain preachers, when they started teaching, they would have preached some deep things unto them. And they would have felt, oh, we have started hearing something big, something great. In today's language, I would say mysteries. And Paul says, even I wanted to speak to you. Even I wanted to speak to you. But you behaved like babies. In other words, you were not capable enough to understand what I wanted to teach you. So what did I do? I started giving you milk and not meat so that you could grow in the milk. See, that's why Paul says you were not able to bear it. And the best part is, in verse 3 he says, for we are yet carnal. In other words, you feel that you are spiritual but I can see that you are more carnal than before. Why? Because 
Among you are divisions. Among you there are envy. Among you there are strife. In other words, these divisions tells me that you are carnal. Hallelujah. So now when Paul is addressing these divisions, he's telling them, see, you think that you're following super heroes, super preachers, and you have become something. But in reality, you are a carnal Christian. When we look at chapter 2, we were meditating on the same thing where Paul said, I do not speak to you with enticing words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power. As we meditated on that portion, we did speak that when we do soulish ministry, we birth out carnal Christians. And that's what you see in chapter 3. There is carnal Christians who believe that they are super people. They are people who know big mysteries, but yet among them, there are divisions, there are strife, and there are in wing where they say, oh, he's bigger, he's greater, he's the one who should do it. But what exactly does God want through us? And that's what he says in verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom we believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watered, but God that gave the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now Paul is opening up a different perspective for this people. Now he's telling them, who do you think is Paul and who is Apollos? They're just ministers. It is true that you believe the message through these messengers. But he's telling them, you need to know that it is God who gives the increase. It is God who brings you into the kingdom. In other words, it is God and God alone that should be glorified. It should not be a minister. It should not be a person. It is true that God would use different people. But these people are only coming together so that you would grow in Christ. Now, there is a wonderful portion for us to understand here. Where Paul mentions that. Where he says, I have planted, Apollos watered. This is so important because now that we are looking into this perspective of uh, preachers being man-made gods, when certain people, they say, oh, this man of God, he's everything. He's the one who's leading me, guiding me. You need to understand people of God. In the body of Christ, God wants diversity. Everybody is not an apostle. Everybody is not a prophet. Everybody is not an evangelist. But just like our body functions. My hand, if I was to say, this is the only hand that will, my right hand is the only one that will work. I will not be productive. I become more productive when all the parts of my body work together. And that's where I become productive and I become a blessing to what I do. It's the same way that Paul is saying it is true, I would have planted you, but Apollos watered you. Now, in other words, he's saying, if you were to say that I am the person who built you, then I was only called to come and put a foundation for your life. But if that has to grow, you need to allow other people who's part of the body of Christ to come and water you. That is where you grow. How important is this word, people of God? Many times, divisions arise because we want people to be something in our life. But in the body of Christ, it is God's plan that each one of us 
has a part to play. So that when God uses us, it is important that we understand it is not because of who we are that he is using us. He is using us because of who he is. And that's why the word of God says it is God who gives the increase. In other words, your life is growing because of God. See, that is why I am reminded of a word when, when we look at the Old Testament. We see that when the people started talking against Moses, when, God, when Moses selected Aaron to be the priest, there were a big talk among the people. So one of the things that Moses said is, you bring an almond branch and we will keep it in the Ark of the Covenant. So whoever wants to be part of it, they can bring an almond tree, an almond branch. And they kept it in the Ark. And after a day, the branch of Aaron, it budded. On a normal way, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a, the uh, practical way, it is impossible because the almond branch is not on the ground. And in a day, nothing happens. So who brought the increase? Who brought life into that branch? It is God and God alone. How did, it, how did he do that? In a supernatural way. What does that teach us? It teaches us that when we minister in the church of God, every blessings that you and I would see when we pray, when we minister, when we preach, it is all part of God's supernatural blessing. He is in control. It is God who does the increase. Today, I was hearing a man Comment where he was saying, when you pray, pray as if everything is dependent on God. And when you work, work as if everything is dependent on you. Yes, that's very true. When you do the work of God, pray. Pray to God for mercy. And then when you do the work, do it on your best shot. See, this is what God has called us to do. See, sometimes there is a chance for us to say, oh, I worked hard and that's why these blessings have come. It is true. If you wouldn't have spoken to certain people, if you wouldn't have kept aside a part of your time, if you wouldn't have studied and if you wouldn't have done it in that way, many would have not known Christ. There are lazy people. And because of their laziness, many are not one to Christ, but you have worked hard and it is your hard working that has brought the result. But who has helped you to come to that place? See, as a child of God, it is so, it's, so it's important for you and me to understand. It is not by our wisdom. It, it would help us in two ways. If Jesus is the head, then and if I am the body, everything flows through the head. It is true I have to work hard. It is true I have to be sensitive. But it gives me a positive confirmation that it is not in my study. It is me in my availability to God that God moves through me. So whatever challenges God gives into my life, I can always go to God and lean on God because he alone is the wisdom. There is nothing powerful enough than God. So that gives me a great joy that whatever he puts into my heart, I can always go to God and the gifts of the spirit, the power of the spirit would move through me and I will be able to accomplish it. And when that happens, I need to know it is through the Spirit and Spirit alone that this has happened. As a child of God, it is very important that we keep this in mind. That when God starts using us, 
Let's not come to a place where we think that we are something. And that's exactly what has happened in the Corinthian church. And the best part of it is, people are to a part responsible for what was happening. Today, when we look to the churches, we see the same thing. We see preachers becoming celebrity preachers. There is a group of people who follow a certain group of people. Who is responsible for it? It is the general people who is responsible for it. Why? Because I believe it is important that we change our perspective. Because when we go to a church, we want the pastor to pray. We want the pastor to praise. We want the pastor to preach. We want the pastor to close. So what are we doing, by the way? Everything is done by the pastor. Now, can we anytime say that he's responsible for what he's thinking? Because he's the all in all. See, God has given you and me responsibilities. See, when he tells you pray, you might say, oh, I do not know how to pray. It's important that you do not know how to pray. But the question is, do you have the spirit of God? It is the house of God. It is the spirit that leads. God has never said that I would only lead a certain group of people. No. Now that you would ask me, so then does it mean we do not need leaders? Yes, we need leaders. And I believe, do you know why you need leaders? You need leaders to serve. Jesus' leadership principle was that you lead to serve. In other words, serving is done by the leader. Today, leaders have become corporate leaders. If you, if you go to church, if you ask who is the leader, leader is sitting somewhere as he's, he's something big. My view of leadership is, if somebody used to ask you, hey, where is the pastor? He should be somewhere serving. That would shock people. Oh, you, you mean he's the pastor? Yes, he's the pastor. Look at Jesus. The word of God says that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Can you imagine entering that room and you look around for Jesus and you can't see Jesus because all you see is the tall disciples' head. And then you should ask the disciples, say, hey, by the way, I came to see Jesus. Where is he? Oh, he's, he's down washing my feet. So surely you would, we would ask them this question. By the way, who's the leader here? See, I believe that's the view of leadership in the Bible. You and I are called to serve. If we could learn it, I believe a lot of problems in the church would get solved very easily. Today, everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be in the pulpit. Child of God, please understand. If God has to call you to be a leader in the kingdom, you need to learn to serve. Serving should be your highest priority. I believe God raises up leaders, but I believe leaders are raised up for only one thing. When there are problems, when there are issues, when there are things that they can't handle, it is the leaders who has to come in. Leaders don't come in to say, hey, I am the guy. He does not come to boast. Boasting is for Jesus. It is the people who does it. Today, as we meditate on this word, I pray that we would keep this in mind, that our heart would be to serve and we allow other people to serve. We don't push people to do things. Instead, we ask God, God, what do I do in the church? Do you want me to pray? Do you want me to worship? Because in the presence of God, it is the spirit of God that equips you to do the ministry of God. And that's the greatest joy that we could have. I do not know to sing. I do not know to preach. But I thank God there is a spirit of God that dwells in me. And he would equip me. That gives me great joy that I could always step in and do what the Lord wants me to do. Now, we go to verse 9. <coughs> For we are labors together with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. 
and another build their own. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. Now Paul is continuing this conversation where he says, "We are all labors together with God. Apollos, Cephas, Paul. We are all labors together with God. So who is in charge? It's God. Who are we? We are laborers." We are God's husbandry. In other words, we are God's garden. We are God's building. Hallelujah. So who's doing the planting? It is God. In God's building, who builds the structure? It is God. What do we do? We are laborers. Can you imagine when we build a house, if I'm the owner of the house, do you see the photo of the architect and all the laborers in my room? See, I called them for something. They came, they did the work, and they've gone. Today, when I sit in my home, I do not think about these laborers. I do not say, oh, if it was not for them. No, because I had a plan. I had the resources. And they were the laborers who did it. That's it. See, now, Paul is bringing all these perspectives to these people because the divisions were so high because they were saying the laborers were something big. But Paul is saying, see, we are all working together with God. And he's saying this word, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another build their own. But let every man take heed how he build upon. Now he's saying, what did I do? According to the grace of God. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm so aware of what I have done with you guys. As a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. In other words, when I came to you, when I came to the Corinthian church, what did I do? I laid the foundation of the gospel. He says, as a wise master builder, what does it mean? It means I put the foundation in such a way where others can come and water. Others can come and build upon you. That's what he means by wise master builder. Today, many are building on certain foundations in such a way that nobody else will build on it. If I'm going to build you, my heart is that only I will build you so that every day of your life, it's all about me. Oh, he speaks. Oh, his word. Oh, Paul says, I did not do that. Why? Why, why did I not do that? Because Every time I served you, I served by the grace of God. See, when we study these verses, we need to understand. See, when we become Christians, when, when we start reading the Bible, when we study the Bible, there are certain words and phrases that become part of us because we are Christians. For example, grace, faith, amen, hallelujah. These are phrases that becomes part of our life. And then, when we ask people, hey, how are you doing? Our answer is, by the grace of God, we're doing good. So when we read this word, when Paul says, according to the grace of God, we feel the same thing. Oh, he's becoming so humble. No, he's not becoming humble. You know what he was saying? So when I came to you, I was in fear and I was in trembling. I did not know what I was going to do. But the moment I started working with you, there was a supernatural favor. There was a supernatural power of God that started equipping me. And when I started moving, I could see the grace of God coming into your life. I could not do it. See, I spoke the word, but the word started ministering into your life and you started changing and you started transforming. And all I could understand was it was the grace of God working over your life. 
when people got healed, when people got transformed, they would have come to Paul and said, oh, you prayed and you started. And he would say, oh, it is God working. And deep in his heart, he would go out to God and say, God, thank you for working in this people. He was well aware of the grace of God. So every time he would enter to speak this word, he would cry out to God. He would pray to God because he was not doing a soulish ministry. That's the difference between a soulish and a spiritual ministry. When you start having soulish ministry, when you speak, people will come and tell you, oh my God, the words that you spoke was powerful. It was wonderful. Because you do it through the soul, you, you get excited and you feel like, man, I could, have, I could have brought up something more. I could have prepared something more. See, God is using that words because you use the word of God and he, these people are his. But you misunderstand to think that your soulish ministry is something you have to work on. But a man who is spiritual, when he starts doing spiritual ministry, he trembles before God. He cries unto God. He spends more time in prayer. He cries out to God, Lord, look to my life. Is there anything unholy in my life that, that you cannot work through me? He cries out to God. And then when God starts using him, he trembles before God. He goes back to God every day and tells God, Lord, use me for your glory. But when you do soulish ministry, it's all about you. You do pray, but it's all about you. And that's why Paul says, according to the grace of God. I've laid the foundation and other build. Now he says this word, but let every man take heed. How? He buildeth thereupon. Now he's telling each one of us, be careful how you build. In other words, when you do ministry for God, when you get an opportunity, don't think you have got a pulpit. Don't think you've got a chance to show who you are. In other words, he's telling us, be careful. Why is he saying that? The next verses. From 11 to 19 says why we need to be careful. But he starts by saying, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now he says this word, as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. So when we read that word, we might think, oh, so Paul had built a foundation. No, Paul is rearranging that word to tell us who is the foundation. It is Jesus Christ. See, that is why this is so important because there are many people who say, who found Christianity? People say, oh, it was Paul. Because Jesus did not do anything. It is Paul who preached the gospel everywhere. Now Paul is correcting it. He's saying, I have nothing to say about myself. The foundation is Jesus. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jesus alone is the foundation. In other words, each one of us, we come to Jesus only because Father attracts us. I can preach the gospel. I can convince you. I can talk to you. But yet, if the Father does not attract you, you will never be opened to see what God is or who God is. So that's why Paul says it is Jesus that is the foundation. And on that foundation is what Paul started building. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so has by fire. Now Paul is saying, please be careful 
Why? Why should you be careful? Because the things that you build has a quality. See, when you build upon the foundation that God has given you, if you're lazy, if you're not careful, the materials that you build upon would be of lesser quality. So now Paul is saying you need to be careful because everything will be manifested when the day when God puts it in fire. A very strong word. <laughs> A very strong word. If you look at, you know, I'm sure when we look around us, we see there are buildings and houses that are built by contractors. Some of the houses we look upon, we say, oh, this is beautiful. And then when families get in, they say, oh, don't go to these contractors because they use low quality materials. They haven't worked it the way it should be. Why? Because once they started living, they understood it's not the beauty it is the stability of the house. It's the same way. See, today I can preach the gospel, convince you, show you how good I can preach. But when you start living it, that's where you understand that you have got nothing. See, that's why Paul uses this word. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now, if you were to divide it, you would see gold, silver, precious stones. Can you make these things faster? No, it's hard. These are materials that are permanent. Gold, it, it's burned in fire. It comes through fire. Silver, precious stones. All of these things it does not, it's not built in a day. All these materials can go through fire because it came through fire. But now when you look at hay, wood and stubble, these are cheap things. These are not valuable things. So who makes this measurement? Who can say that I've been built up on the valuable things? Nobody can say. That can only be said by God. But how do you build then? It's your life. The messenger is the message. That's why the word of God says the word of God is a double-edged sword. The word has to work in you before it works in others' lives. The word that you teach, it becomes enticing. It becomes your own wisdom because you do not know what you preach. You can read books. You can hear a lot of sermons, but you yourself do not know. What does it mean to have the grace of God? I remember hearing a funny story. A boy once he saw a bike and he came and he started trying to start it. So there was a man standing on the roadside. He came and asked him, hey, what are you doing? He said, oh, I like bikes. So I, I want to drive it. So he said, oh, okay. But he said, see, I don't know how to drive. He said, that's fine. You know, that's fine. Why, why don't you just hope in, you know, and I'll help you. So the, ma the man also hoped into the bike and he said, okay, now I'll tell you how to do it. Can you... Press the start button. So he, he pressed the start when the bike started. So he said, can you please raise it? So he raised it. He said, so now just leave the clutch a little bit. He leave the clutch a little bit. He said, give a little bit of acceleration. And they started riding. So they're moving on. So the boy is so excited. So he said, hey, uh, uh, you know, apply the brake. So he's talking, he's talking. So both of them are so excited. They're talking to each other. And at a one junction of the road, the boy said, Uncle, I'm, I'm so happy. Now, I've, I've learned a bit to ride. So now, Uncle, can you, you can ride from here on. I don't know. So the man said, hey, by the way, uh, I don't know to ride the bike. I only know to tell you how to ride the bike. Some people are like that. They're experts in preaching. But they don't know how to live it. 
They talk about Jesus, the mighty God, the powerful God, the God who gives you everything, the Elijah, the, the cross who came for Elijah. But if you ask him, have you ever had a, such a circumstance? Oh, no. No. So what were you preaching by them? No, but I believe in God. Today I want to tell you, every word that we hear, every word that we study, it's for us to live. It's not for us to preach. It's not for us to have knowledge. See, when these words that you learn are lived, that's where it blesses you. See, that's why <coughs> when we look at Psalms, there is a word which says, the word of God is purified seven times. I think we'll go to that word, Psalms 12, 6 to 8. Words of the Lord are pure words, a silver tried in a furnace of the earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Shall I continue? Yeah. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Amen. The wicked now, look at that word. It talks about when you read the psalm, you would see unfaithful people rising up. And David is telling God, help the godly people. So now when this request is made, the beauty of the psalm is in verse 6, a word is spoken and the word is, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. See, when David is speaking about godly and ungodly people, wicked people, in the midst of it, he gets a revelation that the words of the Lord are pure. What does that mean? There is another word which says, the word of the Lord is a shield unto all those who trust in him. In other words, when you and I go through problems and when you go back to the word of God, the word of God speaks to you. And the word of God becomes a shield when you trust in the word. And as you trust in this word, you might go through fire. And that's why the word says, purified seven times. In other words, with this word, you might go through the furnace. You might go through problems. But even when you go through it, you get purified. Just like you read about Daniel's book about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they had a problem, they said, O oh, king, we know the God we serve. He is powerful enough to save us. But even if he did not save us, yet we will not go before you. That's exactly what a spiritual man is. I know what I believe and I know whom I believe. But even if nothing happens, I will stay faithful to what I know. When we read that word, we see that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was tied with a robe. But when they come out, these robes are gone out of them. And they did not even have a smell. You know what it shows? So when you and I go through this furnace, there are certain things that is in our lives that God is purifying. Things that were binding us. Things that were against us. God is breaking it. We will not be destroyed by the furnace. But the things that binded us will get destroyed. And the next thing. See, they did not have the smell. In other words, as a child of God, when you walk through the furnace... That's why when you read another Psalms, it says, even though I walk through the valley of Bekka, Bekka means the valley of tears. It will be, become rivers of living water. What does it mean? See, people who have walked through this valley have cried. But when the man who trusted God walked through this valley, this valley got filled. Why? Because he trusted in God. 
Hallelujah. People of God, as a child of God, valley of tears does not move us. That's why the word of God says, a man who trusts in God is like Mount Zion. He will not be removed. He stays on God. See, this happens when you walk with God. See, the words that you learn, it will purify you. And it is this word that you teach people. You might not know the quality of the material. But God who is working inside of you, he will know what material are you. Hallelujah. That's why Paul says, take heed, take heed. Now Paul says, a day will come when every man's work will be revealed in fire. And if that man's work does not abide, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. He himself shall be saved. Let me bring two things into perspective for you here. I remember hearing a vision that a man had. The man is seeing a vision where he sees that he's standing in a line where there were a lot of people in front of him. And when he looked forward, he saw many people have big things in their hand. So as they near to a gate, there is an angel who would take what they have and he will put through something. And just like if you have gone to the airport, you put your bag and you get the bag on the other side. In the same way, these people would put it and go and wait on the other side. So when he looked into that line, he saw every people who were standing in front of him. There were big things and there were small things. But whoever puts into it, they go to the other side. There is nothing because it's full of ashes. He got up from this dream. And he looked to God and he asked God, what type of a dream is that? And then God told him, you were standing in a line where the people, when they dropped what they were working for, it all became ashes. So rethink on what you're doing on this earth. And this word of God reveals it correctly for us. The word of God says that you will suffer loss, but you will be saved. In other words, your work will not have its work. I remember, I would not want to name this man of God. A man of God who's been famous, whom God used mightily. When he passed away, there were a lot of issues about his life. And then he passed away. I remember asking the Lord, Lord, this man was mightily used by you. The way he accomplished things was superb. But I asked the Lord, about what has happened with this man? Because he went through certain sickness and the Lord spoke to me this. He told me, just then, when he lived in this earth, it's true, when you look, he was doing big things. But his life was not correct. As a result, the quality of what he was building was compromised. So at the end of his life, God started dealing with him. As he went through sickness, God spoke with him. He would have surrendered his life and he would have told God, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. So now what happened is, when this man passed away, all the issues about this man started surfacing up. Do you know what it shows? He is saved, but all the works that he did is all burned out. Today, I don't see any of his books in bookstores. I do not hear his quotes by many people. But when he was living, his books were bestsellers. When he was living, I've heard different quotes that this man has said. But today, I'm not hearing it anymore. I believe this word which says he was saved but his works were at all at loss. Today has we meditate on this word. 
Let's cry out to God, Appa. When I work for you, help me to work with the highest quality. Now, let's go to the next word. <coughs> Verse 16. Know we not that we are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple we are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are in vain. Therefore, let no man the glory in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death of things, presence or things to come, all are yours. And we are Christ and Christ is God. Now, Paul says about the reward. Now, Paul says, know we know that we are the temple of God and spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, what is God speaking here? Now, the spirit of God is going into another perspective. He's telling us, guys, what are you building upon? You're building the temple of God. You're not building something or anything. See, as a child of God, when we minister to people, we need to understand the people that we minister are the temple of God. And in that temple of God, who dwells in that temple? It is the spirit of God. See, that's why the word of God says, if, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple we are. In other words, I need to be very careful. When God gives me a chance to minister to him. When I minister to people, let me always have this in mind that these are people who are loved by God. They are the favorites of God. And I am the friend of the bridegroom. I have to be very careful. Can you just imagine for a moment if you were called to help the wife of your friend, would you try Speaking to her in such a way that her attention would come to you? Or would you guard her? Would you protect her? What would you do? Is this not what God is telling us? See, when we minister to people, we want the highest quality of things to be built because they are the temple of God. And the best part, is the spirit of God that dwelleth in them. In other words, I should build in such a way when people look to this person, they should say, yes, he is a carrier of God's presence. I'm not building a house. I'm not building a ship. I'm not building a car. I'm not building a house for me. I am building on the temple of God. Today, my prayer for each one of you is this. As I teach this word, as you live this word, and when you walk into this world, the world should look to you and say that here walks a man with God. A man of God. You might be a doctor by profession. You might be an engineer by profession. It does not matter. But I will be blessed to hear that whatever profession you are, you are a man or a woman of God. We study this word for that perspective. The next thing, who dwells in this temple of God? The spirit of God. For God is holy. What does that mean? It means no one else can replace that position. I cannot be in that position. If I become in that position, I have failed 
in preaching the gospel. If all you look is upon me, I have failed it. See, that's why God says, I am holy. I have a jealousy. I will not allow it. What does it mean? It means when I preach the gospel, when I speak to a person, my prayer should always be, Lord, let them never be attracted to me. God, let you and you alone be the one who would be glorified. See, certain times, certain times, let me, let me bring a balance to it. See, sometimes when we preach the gospel, some of us, some of the people would say, brother, I've been blessed. I like your sermon. It's powerful. It's okay. Say they want something. It's human. But where do you get careful when they say, hey, you are everything? See, that's where you need to correct. That's where you say, no, it's not me. It is God and God alone. See, no, it's not just you correcting. It should You should look to your own life and see, are you portraying yourself in a way that that person says that? See, the other times it's okay. It's okay. See, because people need people. That's how they grow. But as they mature in Christ, it will start changing. See, when we look at our children, when they grow, it's all about, I want to be like Papa, I want to be like Mommy. But after five, ten years, you ask them, do you want to be like Papa? They say, no, I want to be Bessie. After another ten years, you ask them, they will tell you, no, I don't want to be that. I, I have another dream for my own life. That's how it works. See, as they mature, perspectives change. As a child of God, our prayer should always be this. Lord, as they mature, as they grow in Christ, Lord, their prayer should be that I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. The next word, verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he, uh, he may be wise. Now Paul is saying, now don't get deceived. If any one of you think that you're wise, what should you become? You should become a fool that he may be wise. <laughs> In other words, there are times that you think that you're something. There are times when people say that you're something. When you hear that, please don't try to walk as if you're something. The greatest problem today is that when 5, 10, 15 people say, oh, prophet of God, powerful, wonderful, suddenly your dressing changes, your voice changes, your stature changes, you're done. The Bible says when you start hearing that, you should become a fool. In other words, you come down. You make some principles, you make some boundaries where they think, What's happened with this guy? Is he a fool? Yeah, exactly. You don't try to show them that you're something. You go the opposite direction. That's what Jesus did. See, when you read the Bible, not only Jesus, even the disciples, they preached the word. Powerful miracles started happening. The people raised Jesus and the disciples. When you read the Gospels, you see the people raised Jesus to become a king. What did he do? He ran away. He just ran away. What did the disciples do? They fell upon the knees of the people and they said, we are not gods. <laughs> you know what happens today? Today, people raise, oh, you are the prophet. And we're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yesterday morning, God told me that I am the prophet. And people are like, oh, praise God. We have heard it rightly. I pray that we correct ourselves. Look at the next word. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. You know what does it mean? See, when we 
become something that we are not. We become crafty. We, we plan things by ourselves. We do things that we are not meant to do. We speak things that we are not meant to speak. Because now we want to please people. See, today we see a lot of people like this. They started in one way. Today they are something else. When they started, they were so humble. But today, people have raised them to something that they are not. Always keep this in mind, my dear people. Study the Gospels and you see, one day, all the people looked to Jesus and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, the King is coming. Do you know what happened next day? The same Jesus was crucified. That's all what it takes for the world. One day they say that you are the powerful prophet and the next day they say you that you are a fool. So please don't be something that you are not by hearing what people would tell about you. Let not people's words be your title. Instead, let God's words be your title. I pray that we will cry out to God for that. Verse 20, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are in vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, please don't glory in men. Please don't say Paul is big. Please don't say Apollos is big. They're all yours. What does it mean? They're all laborers. They're all servants to build you for the glory of Jesus. And that's why Paul says, and we are Christ and Christ is God. In other words, we all together, we are all for Christ, for his glory and for him alone. Hallelujah. What a mighty part. See, we look into these three chapters. Paul is dealing with men. I was so glad as I was studying this word because he takes different perspectives for us to understand. Because today we live in a world where this is on high state today. And the Spirit of God knew it well and he's teaching us. As we study this word, let us submit our heart to God and say, God, help me to submit. Lord, help me to serve you. Serve the body of Christ so that your name and your name alone be glorified. This should be our prayer. This should be our prayer at every time. See, the word of God says that every time that we serve God, let us always have this in mind that everything that we do one day will go through fire. And that's why we need to cry out to God, Father, when I build upon people's life, that they will never fall away, that they will never fall away, that they will stay with God, hold on to God, and they will end their race. That should be our prayer. Again, as I teach this word and as I close this word, let me also give you this balance of thought. You know, when you go full-hearted and serve God, you teach them with all of your heart. Yet, people might walk away. That does not mean that what you taught or the quality of things that you taught was bad. It only means that they decided to walk away. Let's not come to a place where we tell God about maybe that I haven't taught them right, that they've gone wrong. No. See, that is something that God has to tell us. The only question that you need to ask is, are you still in the way of life? If you are still in the way of life, God is building upon you. And if you're faithful, hold on to God. As we learn this word, let's cry out to God. Father, give us the grace to hold on to you. Father, build upon us. Let's thank God for different people who have come to our life, who have watered us, who have preached with us, who have prayed with us. And let's thank God. God, thank you for all these people. Lord, give me grace to live so that I could build other people. And let his name and his name alone be glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, 
we come to your holy presence, Father. We want to thank you for speaking with us, O God. What a mighty word. What a mighty word, O God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, O God, that you are the one who build on us, O God. You are the one, O God, who works on our life. We want to thank you for that, Aperture. Father, Lord, let your hand be upon us, Father. Lord, even as we build, give us the grace to build in a way that will please you, Father. Let you alone be glorified, Aperture. Father, we thank you for what you will do. I pray a blessing upon everyone that was listening to this word. I pray that you would give them the grace to stand and hold on to God and glorify him. We thank you for everything. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.